calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the role of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. Welcome to the Nightmare Magazine Story Podcast. Enter freely and of your own will. Stay close as my medieval muse, the Demon Gobala, guides us down into beautiful darkness. I am your humble host, Terence Taylor, one very much at home with the Children of the Night. In this episode, listen to Until It Has Your Reflection by Catherine Quevedo. Copyright 2023. Narrated by Justine Eyre. Nightmare Magazine is edited by Wendy N. Wagner. Our podcast is produced by Skyboat Media. Catherine Quevedo was born and raised just outside of Portland, Oregon, where she works as an analyst and lives with her husband and two sons. Her fiction has appeared, or is forthcoming, in Fireside Magazine, Flame Tree Publishing's Christmas Gothic, Triangulation Habitats, Best Indie Speculative Fiction Volumes 3 and 4, Last Girls Club, Factor 4 Magazine, Frost Zone Zine, Apparition Literary Magazine, Abyss and Apex, and elsewhere. When she isn't writing, she enjoys watching movies, singing, playing old-school video games, belly dancing, and making spreadsheets. Now, it's time to descend the shadowy stair once more to join me for a long look behind the everyday at what lies beyond. Have we got a nightmare for you? Until it has your reflection by Catherine Quevedo. I hold the crayon to the mirror, ready to swipe it across my reflection's neck, just as my husband, Tomas, instructed. 
make a quick horizontal line, then break the crayon against the glass. Snap it like you would your reflection's neck. I have chosen the shade closest to my skin tone because it feels fitting for the occasion. The brown that I'd had to explain to our kindergartner was not the skin color crayon. Not everyone has skin as dark as ours, and some have darker. I imagine similar conversations in other households about other crayons. Now I'm just stalling. My mirror self's face shows more signs of the blurring. Hazy eyes, smudged lips. Still a face for now, and doesn't that count for something? My fingers quiver around the crayon. Two days prior. Two days before my face will start morphing into a low-resolution facsimile of myself. Thomas and I stood at the bathroom counter getting ready for the day. For some reason, he had taken it upon himself to clean the mirror last night while I put Penelope to bed. He'd hardly spoken a word since. He spread shaving cream over his face and stared at his reflection. Studied it, his bloodshot eyes vacillating between fear and longing from behind his glasses. He'd done a sloppy job, smearing the bulb of his nose with white foam. He looked like our daughter when she bites into a cupcake and gets frosting all over. He brought his razor up to his neck with a strange, shuddering breath. A moment later, he nicked his chin but didn't seem to notice, as if the act of shaving took more out of him than an actual cut. You're bleeding, I mumbled around my toothbrush. He dropped his gaze to his sink for a moment, then fetched some tissue and pressed it to the cut. I'm going to grow out my beard. I spit into my sink. You haven't done that since Penelope was a baby. He didn't reply, just studied his chin in the mirror, watching the tissue bloom red. Your facial hair better not hide your dimples. He ignored me. He ignored his contact lenses. He washed his face off and left. The sweet fragrance of his shaving cream lingered like a specter. The next day, I caught Tomas scribbling away at the art table with some of Penelope's markers. Normally, he'd do anything to get out of coloring with her. Now he was doing it without her while she watched a movie in the family room. Awkward self-portraits from the look of it, with a wide range of facial expressions. A cartoony Tomas smiling, frowning, confused or apologetic, I couldn't tell which, and his current masterpiece puffing his cheeks out and, perhaps, whistling. He paused to shove his glasses up the bridge of his nose. Alicia, can I ask you something? I cocked my head. Of course. How do I look to you? I crossed my arms and leaned against the doorframe. Like you've taken a very sudden interest in art? He glanced up at me. But nothing noticeably different, physically. I checked him over, this curious husband of mine with the faintest signs of dad bod and those awesome dimples. Nothing besides that stubble you're growing. Tears gleamed in the corners of his eyes. Tomas, what's going on? What's bothering you? He shot me a pointed look, as if I should already know the answer. You ever get the feeling something wants to drag you away? A sudden shiver made me jerk up from the doorframe, putting my full weight on my feet. What do you mean? Drag me where, exactly? 
Wherever it thinks you belong, wherever it thinks your home should be. I snorted. We both grew up right here. It's just, I got this feeling a few days ago, this freezing numbness like someone had dropped an ice cube down my back, and this weird sensation like somebody wanted me gone. He fidgeted with the marker. Then I noticed your face getting blurry in the mirror. I hugged my ribs. Mi cariño, you're freaking me out. So you haven't felt an icy, dragging away feeling? I shook my head, speechless. Relief covered his face. Good, it doesn't have your reflection yet. He offered me a chocolate brown marker, the color of his eyes, and mine and Penelope's. I sank onto a chair next to him, unsure of what to draw or how to keep up appearances around him, but unwilling to pursue the topic. I didn't want to question my husband's sanity. I settled for sketching my own face in silence, like him. I had this sense now of unwelcomeness. But it had to be because he'd put the idea in my mind. It must be. I felt off the whole next day, like in grade school, when a friend would tickle my spine while reciting a rhyme to give me the shiveries. It didn't help when Penelope approached me a little before bedtime for assistance with the scissors. At this hour? I asked. It's for science. She resembled her daddy so much, melting my heart with those puppy dog eyes, a button version of his nose, his dimples. Fine, we can have a little later bedtime than usual. What supplies do we need? Her kindergarten class was studying light. Yesterday, she'd drawn herself in crayon with a dotted outline shape lying behind her. Supposed to be her shadow, but it looked too much like the chalk outline of a corpse to me. I hadn't said anything. Today, I helped her cut out a printout of a pointing hand, tape it sticking upward to a piece of paper like an easel, and find a flashlight. We turned off the lights, and she angled the beam at the hand from different points around the room. Each time, the dark, stretching outline of a pointing finger seemed to seek me out. My skin crawled as the shape inched along the carpet, closer and closer, thrown in stark relief against the only light in the room. It doesn't have your reflection yet. Are you okay without your nightlight for this, Mihita? She giggled and turned the flashlight up to her neck, illuminating her version of Daddy's strong chin. Later, after we cleaned up the science project and moved into her bathroom to brush her teeth, she pointed to her mouth. I have a wiggly tooth. I tried moving that tiny bead of an incisor. Doesn't seem loose to me, not yet anyway. She frowned Thomas's frown. It is too. I placed a hand on her shoulder, so small and bony beneath her pajamas. I believe you. You can feel it before we see it, that's all. You'll have a new smile in no time. I want the tooth fairy to come. Patience, Mihita. How could she sleep, knowing a mysterious being wanted to invade our home to claim a part of her? Again, that icy chill overtook me. I half expected to see my breath puffing right there in her bathroom. I cut my eye in the mirror. I saw it, the first signs of smudging, as though I needed glasses, but only to see myself. Everything else remained in sharp focus. 
the shower curtain behind me, each ring holding it up, my pajamas lying atop my own shoulders. It looked as if the mirror were fogging, but only over the part with my head. The distortion followed me as I moved, even after I wiped the surface with my sleeve. I completed Penelope's bedtime as fast as I could and hurried toward the living room. In all the hubbub with the science experiment, I'd forgotten to close the entryway blinds. The combination of darkness outside and light inside the house made my smudgy reflection leer at me from the window. As I approached it, I avoided looking too long at myself, or rather at that version of me, superimposed onto the dark vision of the outside like a wandering spirit. I dealt with the blinds and dashed out of the foyer, my hands clammy and shaking. I found Tomas at the art table, making more of those portraits. I know what you were talking about yesterday, I said. I believe you. Through the lenses of his glasses, he teared up as though he'd longed for those words and thought they'd never come. Thank you. He swallowed to steady his voice. Here's all you need to do. I'd never before trusted anyone who said that to me. I did some research, he continued. Online. Not helping. He explained the crayon ritual. How anyone had ever figured out to draw a line of crayon across their reflection's neck and break the crayon, I couldn't imagine. But there is a price, he added. I pursed my lips and gestured for him to get to the point. You're going to lose your head. Just tell me I can handle it. No, I mean that's what happens. You lose your head. Well, it's still there, but you can't see it anymore. Everyone else can, but for you it's missing from your reflection, your shadow, even in photos. You know that creepy photo in Back to the Future where his siblings lose their body parts? My reflection looks like that for me. My head is gone. I recalled the part of the movie he was talking about, and my arm hair stood on end. What he said should have sounded made up, but now I had the shiveries for real. I couldn't stop thinking of frostbite and purple limbs fading into nothingness, and icy crystals blurring across a window, and the inkling of a malevolence wanting to claim my reflection for itself and cast me out somewhere unknown and unreachable. This explained Thomas's recent bizarre behavior. Pick a crayon, he said. I wish I were brave enough to be with you when you do it, but I'm not. His voice broke at the end. Just promise me you'll go through with it, he whispered. What if someone doesn't do the ritual? What happens if it gets them? He rose from the table and took my face in both his hands, his gentle fingers warming my cheeks. I drank in his caring gaze, as though he'd finally woken from a bad dream, and realized I was there in bed beside him. No one wants to find out. I remembered Penelope's science experiment, the pointing shadow crawling across the carpet, distorted and stretching across the fibers toward me, how I'd squirmed and leaned away from it while trying to hide my discomfort from her, how I wouldn't have let it touch me even if she did notice, how it had sought me out with accusatory precision. To our mammalian brains, wasn't the unknown always worse than the known? even if that meant losing one's head. 
As strange as Tomas had been acting these past days, I trusted him. Less than a week until it has your reflection, Alicia. Do it tonight and make it fast. I picked up my crayon of choice and met his gaze, the same bold, earthy, magnificent, warm brown. Now I swipe the crayon straight across my mirrored neck, the point blunting into a dark smudge on the glass, like my reflection's face. The malevolence rushes toward me from somewhere far away, a gust closing in, a burst of biting cold. How close! It must sense my resistance. I press harder. The crayon bows, the evil force charges, a knot tightens my shoulder blades, goosebumps spring up across my nape and down my arms. A flash of glacier blue in the mirror, segmented limbs or arms or spiny teeth slap at the glass, grasping, rushing my reflection. Snap! The crayon crumples into two halves, a wrinkled joint of paper connecting them. That awful presence dissipates. Tomas never warned me I'd see it. Now a new terror replaces it. My headless visage in the glass. My stomach clenches at the wrongness. The neck doesn't end in a clean line, but blurs up past the crayon mark into nothing. I tilt forward, staring at the fuzziness where it feels like I should see a cross-section of my own throat. My forehead hits cold glass. I turn away and spot my shadow against the bathroom wall, my decapitated silhouette. No escape. In our world of selfies, video meetings, cameras and screens everywhere, everywhere, I'll never see my face again. From now on, Tomas will have to tell me if I have food in my teeth, apply my makeup, inform me when I'm overdue for a haircut. I'll help him trim his beard. Maybe someday I'll find tenderness in having to rely on another for so much. Right now, though, hot tears spill down my invisible cheeks without any of the warmth of his caress. For the first time, I hope Penelope grows to look more like me than Thomas as time goes on. The muscles around my mouth tighten and quiver. At least I'll never have to see myself cry. Welcome back. You've been listening to Justine Eyre narrating Until It Has Your Reflection by Catherine Quevedo. Justine Eyre is a classically trained actress who has narrated many audiobooks, earning the prestigious Audio Award for Best Narration and numerous Earphones Awards. She has appeared on stage and has had starring roles in four films on the indie circuit. Her television credits include Two and a Half Men and Mad Men. We hope you enjoyed this offering. If so, please help spread the word by leaving a review or rating at iTunes or on the social media venue of your choice. Our editor is Wendy N. Wagner. This podcast is copyright 2023 by Adamant Press. We publish Nightmare Magazine and this podcast for free, but please consider our many subscription options or recurring patronage at nightmare-magazine.com support subscribe. Skyboat Media, the most respected independent audio production team on the West Coast, produces the audio stories for this podcast. They are headed by the Audi and Grammy Award-winning narrators, Stefan Rudnicki, 
and Gabrielle DeCure. Be sure to check out their website at skyboatmedia.com. Post-production was by Jim Freund, and our music was composed and performed by Jack Kincaid. Thanks for listening. This is Terrence Taylor, wishing you all the best from all of us at Nightmare Magazine, and sending you back to reality. For now. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.